0: Hey there and welcome to the craftish podcast number 48. I'm Vicki Howell. This episode is brought to you by Penguin Random House Audio. They offer hands-free inspiration while you are making your next handmade thing. We are crafters. We have busy hands or makers of some kind, Um, but I don't know about you. I always love a good book, and when you can't take the time to curl up with one in your hands to read with your own eyes, why not listen to one? And the, our friends at Penguin Random House Audio have put together an entire playlist just for makers in mind, and you can find that at tryaudiobooks.com crafter. And while you're there, you can also take advantage of a free offer they have. They have a free download for a book called Ivy and Inky the Butterfly by Johanna Bosford. She's a fellow maker. She's an illustrator who has also written a magical tale for all ages that um, was inspired by our, by our art, but is not necessary to see it to enjoy the book. So go to tryaudiobooks.com crafter to check out that title and loads of other great titles. This week on the show is designer and founder of Flax and Twine, Anne Wheel. Anne is a former investment banker, turned professional maker who has created a brand driven by a love for creating and is also known for its clean, beautiful beautiful aesthetic. I have admired Anne from afar for many, many years and was thrilled to finally be able to sit down and meet her or virtually meet her rather for this interview. During our chat, we talked about life as female entrepreneurs, balancing the act of beautiful Instagram feed with the realities of, you know, what it's like to have a house with kids in it, and also what being creative means to Anne. I found her to be warm and open and all of those things, as as well as smart and successful. And I just liked her. You know, she's she's definitely my kind of gal, and I'm really looking forward to you meeting her. So let's go ahead and do that now. Anne Whale, it's so great to have you here on Craftish.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Vicki. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Well, I'm so thrilled. We have been in the same circle for... Years and years, and never actually landed in the same spot within that circle. So, I love.
1: Now we're here on Skype.
0: (laughs) Hey, it's a step closer.
1: Yeah.
0: I wanted to start. I was struck by something. um, You know, as part of my my research, I was struck by something that I saw just on your resume um, that made me laugh. That within two, you know, just looking at your resume, one, you know. One item says, you know, that has you as an asset manager working in the real estate finance industry. And the very next entry after that is a freelance contributor to Martha Stewart. Yeah. And those are so, I mean, even though, I mean, I guess coincidentally, you know, Martha Stewart was a stockbroker, which is very well known. And then and then made her, her current, you know, empire. But I'm always thrilled to talk to people who have literally and figuratively handmade themselves a new career. I would love to hear about that transition,
1: yeah. it was it was interesting. I mean <clears throat> i I think I've just always been a really driven person, and um So that started when I was very young to, you know, always aim the highest and the best and, you know, try and accomplish the most. I just kind of grew up that way. I think it's a very internal drive that I have. And um, so I think sometimes that drive can be misleading in that you kind of adopt everybody else's notion of what the highest and best thing is and um, I think that was the case for my um, my career right out of college which was to go into investment banking and you know go to New York and try and make my way in the world of finance and I definitely was good at what I did and I enjoyed it a lot Um, you know I'm a very get-it-done sort of person I love committing myself to something and doing it really well and um, I can do lots of things in that way. Um, I think when you you really like, you know, just accomplishing things, you can do a lot of different careers. Um, and so, so that was kind of how I was driven that way. And then, but there was always this part of me that thought, there's, I'm missing something. This isn't really what I love. This isn't bringing me a lot of joy. You know, I want to... I, I I looked at the people around me and people in finance. They have a real drive for the deal, and and they just they love it in a way that I didn't. Um, and so, you know, it was a long transition and, and um, built like kind of filtered in with family and and having my my children. And um, I tried a couple different creative paths. After I left New York, um, so that was my first step was to leave New York City. I lived there for about um, seven years. And then when I got to Boulder, Colorado and was kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do, I dabbled in a couple different creative fields, um, doing some curriculum writing, doing some lands, I started to get my master's in landscape architecture and loved communicating my ideas through art and, and all that. Um, but then just the family kind of it was hard to kind of progress down those paths when um, in various life changes were occurring so um, in the meantime there was always this part of me this creative part that loved to make things I've always loved to do that from early on um, from when I was a young girl Uh, you know I learned to knit when I was seven I learned to crochet when I was six you know I was a crazy cross stitcher and I would just do that whenever I had free time and I put that away for a while but when I um, started having more free time as an adult I started picking it back up again and just finding that I had so much joy in making things and I've since Realize that really making things with my hands is where I feel complete, where I feel like I'm, I am doing my best and highest purpose. Um, so that kind of led to this whole idea of writing uh, my blog, Flax and Twine. It really didn't start as a money-making idea or a career possibility. It really started as just... With a busy family life and with a busy career, and I was still doing real estate at that point, a real estate finance, because it just made sense for my family and financially and all that. Um, But I started the blog with this intention to find my creative voice. That was what my first blog post was about. I really wanted to just make things so I could... Find that part within you that kind of knows what you love and what is beautiful and what makes your heart sing. and And so that's how that all started. and it it was amazing how it just captured my energy. Um I loved writing the posts. I loved making things. I loved taking the photographs. I mean, that really um, got to me like that's one of my favorite parts of what I do is is photographing my work. Um and and so that just built and I started submitting projects to other um, websites. You know, I, I got a finger knit pillow on design sponge and when that happened I was like, wow, this is really <laughs> this could be something. Um and you know, I just it just kind of took off from there. And um the whole Martha Stewart um piece that all happened, they they started to see my work and so we started making projects with their materials, and then that led to the next step, which was um, making projects for them on their, you know, as content on their site. So that all happened. And I was saying that uh, one of one of the big things transitions that happened is that my husband, at the same time, was seeking a new career, and he kind of got to where he wanted to be. And he turned to me and he he said, "You know, now's the time for you to stop." doing the things that you know take energy away from what you really love and so that's when I stopped doing the real estate work that was when we moved to Baltimore Mm -hmm. so we moved to Baltimore for three years and um
0: did you move to Baltimore because of his work
1: yeah so he he was working for the Baltimore Ravens which is what took us there and um It was funny because, so I started winding down my real estate work, but I had these, you know, assets that I was working on or selling various, they were at various states. And the day I closed on my last deal, and I knew it was that that part of my life was done was the day I got called for a, by a publisher for my first book. Really? And it just still gives me like... You
0: literally had like a next chapter moment.
1: Yeah, it literally was like that day. It was insane. It was a, a crazy day. Do you think that yeah. that was because you had been, you had,
0: the very impetus of your blog, Flax and Twine, was the intention to, you know, not to be cheese ball, but to follow your bliss? Do you think that because you were so focused on what it is that you wanted, that it just sort of all laid out in line?
1: I don't know. Like, I still to this day kind of don't know how it all manifested and I still don't I still sometimes look at in awe at like what I'm doing in excitement and like really fulfillment for me to be creating projects and making things and and like really expressing my ideas I think that that's one of the things that I realized that a lot of the part when you say when people say like I just get so excited about My work, or this deal, or that deal—like what I get excited about—are ideas. Mm -hmm. So, just uh, you know, possible solutions for materials, or um, you know, solutions for things in your life. Like, I really wish I had, you know, this or that. And then I think, well, I could make it this way, or I could make it that way, or I could try this or try that. And um, I um, really—and I think there is part of it that is that drive and that focus, and and it became okay. This is this is fulfilling me on my um, emotional side, but it also fed right into kind of my drive to like getting things done and getting things out there. And um, yeah, like there were just some crazy times. Like I remember doing a, a series really early on. Uh, in December, I decided to do a, um, like an advent calendar and do um, 25, 25 projects like, one every day. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, you know, as a blogger, that's a lot to do 25 it's every such day. a It's
0: such a commitment.
1: Right? And I'm like, I'm, I, just, and I just, I just started to twitch.
0: When he started.
1: <laughs> I, I know. And I would, like, stay up till, like, crazy hours yeah. and get up really early and, like, get that out there. And that was, uh, to me, honestly, the, the commitment to that project is really what, like, made my blog kind of jump off um, and take off. Um, and I don't know. And then, you know, opportunities, I think when, when you're working in line with what you love and what, what, you know, what your purpose is, these opportunities just kind of start to step in front of you almost. Do you find that true for you? 100%
0: 100%. and, and again, with... You know, I've been really fortunate over the, the span of my career to interview, you know, dozens and dozens of artists and, and entrepreneurs and artisans. And that just seems to be the, one of the many common threads is that things start to happen when you're open to allowing them.
1: Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And it sounds very esoteric and a little woo-woo, but… but it, it, it truly, again and again, I see examples of that within these conversations that I'm happening. It's, it's like the proof is in the, in the knitted pudding, you know, that as soon as you put it out there, focus on it, and lean into the joy that you feel when you're doing it. Yeah. It seems to almost manifest more of the same.
1: I think that that's really true. It's like the good, it's like you need money to make money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like it kind of is in line with that. Like you need, you need to like pursue your joy to get more joy and to kind of have it, have it like grow on itself. Um, I also think there's an element for me, it was of just like letting go what I thought I was supposed to do or what I should.
0: Yeah, you know, and you went, I mean, you went to a college prep school for your, you know, your elementary years. And then you went to Yale, both of which are, you know, very prestigious, but neither of which scream creative nourishment. Yeah. So, I I mean, I would imagine that, that 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 sort of, you know, that's a really significant pathway to creating these sort of, you know, journey that you were bound to take at the beginning.
1: Well, yeah, it was almost like I had to peel away these hurdles to find out what was kind of inside myself, like... uh Because I just wasn't, it wasn't in an environment, although I, like, learned to do those things early on, the things that I really like, I was in an environment where, like, well, that's just, you do that for fun. Like, what you need to do is, you know, achieve great things and go to a great college Mm -hmm. and get great grades and, like, do an amazing job and, you know, make a lot of money. And, you know, that was kind of what was put in front of me. And if you're not doing those things, then you're not fulfilling your potential. Well, like, that's the part where I now I look at it and say well that's not really what is anyone's potential it isn't like oh the most prestigious job in the world you know and
0: whose definition are you going? yeah away?
1: what what does potential mean you know you know I would like to think and this is one of the things that makes me so happy that I have brought a lot of joy to other people through my projects and the books and and if if people get half of the amount of joy out of making things that I do, then I know I have, you know, um, because I love doing it. And I, you know, I know that so many other people love love doing it and love making things. And I think so, that also, I mean, when we were kids, there weren't a
0: lot of models, For what we do now. Our our children are going to have a a plethora of, of models of people making their own careers, regardless if it's creative or not. It's just such a different world now. But there wasn't, you know, there was Carol Duvall, but I didn't, she wasn't in my sort of zeitgeist until I was older. We did have some sort of stereotypical, you know, PBS shows, but there wasn't, there really wasn't a model of somebody who didn't go to art school, but still creates this, you know, basically the artisanal career for themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think there is a different path. And even so, it's so funny that you say that, because there is this part where I'm like, well, I didn't go to art school. I was never an artist. So it's hard for me to look at myself now and be like, I am an artist, but that is what I am, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can be that without following that traditional path.
0: You know, it's funny because I think for the same reason, I I don't really consider myself a designer, even though that's, you know, I've written, I've just finished my 13th book and many of the components of those books are right. design. For me, because I didn't go to art school and I was always sort of more communications forward, creating this stuff is just a vehicle for me to talk to more people. But maybe, in part, it's because I don't, maybe I don't feel like I have that
1: that cred yeah and I you got to own it own it Vicky. We yeah know. I mean I'm fine like I'm good no, I know. But, but I know I'm just thinking about it but it's true that's exactly what I'm talking about uh, is that whole notion of of uh, you know holding on to that idea of I'm an artist I'm a designer um you know or even my photography I'm a photographer you know um and and owning those skills and passions, regardless of what your background is.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I was talking to um, the illustrator Anda Corey a couple of, of episodes ago, um, and she wrote the Spoonflower book, the latest Spoonflower book. And she mm-hmm. she lives in Berlin now. Um, she opened the Berlin offices for Etsy, and and we were talking about the difference of how craft is perceived. There in Germany versus here in the states. And mm. one of the things that she sort of spoke about was that because it is so ingrained and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of items that are made there in country. There's also more more of a pride for it. but there, but to that extent, there's also the assumption that if you are a, professional knitter or a woodworker or whatever, fell in the blank, that you should have gone to school for it. Mm,
1: uh-huh. like there,
0: there's very much a sort of more of a linear path in the mindset. But in that same respect, there's way more um, value placed on artisanship. Right. And I think for me, because I work in all craft, but because of the way that the pathway that has led me down the, the, the road that I'm on, it's really focused on knitting and crochet. I think that there's also the stereotypes of craft versus art and, you know, knitting and crochet are very much still considered, quote unquote, women's work.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And
0: And I think that you know, I've been doing this for fifteen years now. No matter how much I can say it, there's already there's always somebody else to say it to. <laughs> that it is just another form of self-expression.
1: hmm Yeah.
0: Um, and so I think for me that's that's in part like sort of my little subset of it has has the other hurdle of, oh my nana does that. You right. Know, which is awesome. You're know, like world tradition. We, but at the same time, I have to say, well, I've written this many books, and I've produced and hosted this many shows, and I've done, before people perk up and see the value in it.
1: Well, and it is interesting. It's the same, you know, I can explain what I do. But the minute I say, like, well, I do work for Martha Stewart, people are like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. You know, and that that somehow makes a difference. Uh, I just, I find that I find it just interesting, like how at what point does it cross over into like a legitimate you know career or um something to be respected versus like yeah i the oh my my grandma always knits hats for Christmas or whatever you yeah. know, um yeah,
0: and Martha you know obviously has done huge things for the elevation of absolutely domesticity and you know craft as well, but also. On the downside, there is less accessibility because of some of the approach. And what's, what's starting to shift now is because of, you know, the existence of blogs and sites like Etsy and where you can see, and Instagram even, and Pinterest, you can see the talent and the beauty behind so many. It can be needlepoint or it can be sculpture. Uh-huh. I see a shift. I truly do. It's going uh, like, to take a minute.
1: Well, but, I feel that too. I mean, I just and, – and sometimes I'm like, well, maybe that's just my lens. But I just feel like there are so many people out there expressing themselves through this work. And it it's part of it, – it, like, comes – I just – the fact that these – things are made from your hands and nothing else but a pile of yarn or a pile of rope or that is something magical there is so much magic in that um that i don't know to me it's really special and it's so important to see so many people doing that like making the magic
0: does that philosophy, did that influence your approach to your two books, the, the most recent one, um, Weaving Within Reach, that, where you sort of dive into it, removing the tools and just sort of bringing your hands into the craft?
1: That is, a, you know, it's funny, now that I think about it, I think it is in a lot of ways. I mean, behind both of the books is this notion that you don't need anything but your hands. Um and that's really important to me to kind of remove that because I think people get intimidated. Oh, I can't knit. Oh, weaving. Oh, that's like really complicated, you know, um, and, and my whole idea and and the thing I want to show people is, no, you can do it. You know, you don't, you don't even need knitting needles to do it. Um, or in the case of weaving within reach, you know, two thirds of the book is done without any, any you know, made loom or any loom at all. The the first chapter is all just weaving materials, free weaving materials with your hands and like the beautiful projects you can make doing that. And then the second chapter is all about, you know, you can use rope as a loom. You can use an embroidery hoop or a piece of cardboard or, you know, it doesn't need to be complex to create some of this magic.
0: The true gift that I think that you're giving to those of us within the industry is that you're elevating the craft just by the beauty that you're creating. All of your work is so clean and modern and the antithesis of what the of the stereotype of some of these crafts mm-hmm. that it quietly sort of bucks you know the 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 mentality of what of what weaving means if you're a weaver or crocheting or knitting or especially finger knitting or arm knitting which you know the items that are made with those two crafts can often look very rudimentary and all the way to being a hot mess right, um, but, right. but it's really about the the fibers that you incorporate
1: yeah and it's yeah and also you know if you think about it with arm knitting if you're blowing your arms up to a a needle size that is enormous your materials also have to blow up that big Mm -hmm. in order to give you a fabric that is a knit fabric that you would make you know for a sweater or, or or something like that so I think it is it is a switch in a mentality for that standpoint but I um and that that's part of how you get it to be looking I think more beautiful is used is really kind of you've got to blown up blow up every portion of what you're doing not just oh I can do this on my arms um but I think it's funny that you say that I love that idea of being a rebel (laughs) (laughs) a quiet (laughs) rebel a
0: quiet blush and beige rebel
1: yeah that's right (laughs)
0: you can it use that as your tagline on your business rubble. card
1: <laughs> <laughs> I do that is my goal with it all is to take it from something that just to to elevate craft to something beautiful and um, you know one of the biggest things I've learned is just to strip away complexities and, and stick with simplicity and let the material stand on its own uh, I you know one complaint about my books is that I use expensive material uh, which it's really is, hard to
0: say not a knit collage though really I
1: know is. I know which is true and part of that is to really show off what you can do and to kind of elevate the the basic structure of what we're doing um, with these beautiful fibers and stuff like that but that does not mean you can't um, use craft store yarn and make beautiful things and make these projects with less expensive materials and still make them beautiful. I think the biggest part is um, really kind of diving into the, the base structure of what you're doing. So like showing off a, a, a simple weave, like, you know, in that, that large pillow, it's just a simple weave that I'm doing this isn't the on the cover of Weaving Within Reach and on the first page. Um, it is just a simple weave, but by blowing it up, you can see it and you can feel it and you can feel the texture of it, and it becomes more and says more than than what it is. But it's it's simplicity that communicates that. If you uh, if you if you see what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, and I think yeah. that that also yeah. gives nod to the fact that the craft itself deserves to be expressed with those materials, e- even if you choose not to. I mm-hmm. think that you're sort of giving breath to that.
1: Yeah, and and there are other things in the book. There's just, you know, there are projects with just rope, or projects with twill tape, or projects with, you know, really basic things um, They that you can use also or just scraps of your whatever's in your craft closet. There are so many projects you can do like that. But again, it's like communicating, trying to like kind of boil it down to the essence of the technique in its simplest form, but also in its beauty. Um, you know, this, like, for example, doing the basket weaving um, with rope instead of other materials makes it, makes it so somebody can can just get a hank of rope at the hardware store and and do some basket weaving, whereas maybe before it would seem like, oh, well, I, you know, how do I find that material? And you have to, you know, put it in water, and you have to, like, work with You know, it's just because we're let, – let's, like, strip away the complexity and try and boil it down to something simple that you can do. And, and by using just white rope, you can see – the weave and the the beauty of it in such a lovely way, you know, just the texture of it is so pretty.
0: <laughs> it's beautiful. No, it's beautiful. You, it's almost like trying less hard. <laughs> just like, you know, what I, but like the beauty in that sometimes, you know, instead of jazz handi- handing and razzle dazzling, just letting something be. Yeah. Um, Really expresses it the best way. Did you have you always had this sort of clean farmhouse aesthetic, or is this something you've developed?
1: Well, I have to say, it really is something that has come through over time. It's, uh, it is it is so true what I said that I needed to find my creative voice. Like, I don't think I really understood what was in myself. And by practicing and trying things, and you know taking photos of things and trying different materials, you and I, I've spoken. Or I've I've talked about this before, where you get I get this kind of internal hum that feels like oh I love that. It just mm. it, it it just is something inside where I'm like, I love how that looks. I love how that is. I love the colors of that or the texture of that, or how that technique really is, can be seen in those materials. Um, And so by listening to that and just following that, you know, and now it's been years, you know, year after year after year, it's really kind of honed my whole aesthetic into this place that, i didn't even do intentionally it just kind of came out that way and that is that voice that comes out and it's not the same for everybody and that's what's so i think so amazing about making in general is that everybody has that like i think that hum zone inside that can be like for me it's very neutral it's very clean and white and bright but for other people it's Uh, It can be more colorful, like a lot more colorful, and that's what gives them like that hum. And so, you you know, I think that there's this element of just like following that feeling inside to express yourself is really important. You have to find your own handmade hum. Yeah,
0: yes. (laughs) Well, do you remember when your first introduction to fiber was? Textiles, fiber? Yarn, whatever. Yeah. I
1: mean, the very first thing I remember was my grandmother, um, showing me how to crochet. Um, and she taught me, it was, you know, red heart, uh, cotton yarn. And she taught me how to make these potholders and they're on my blog somewhere, like way deep, way back. Um, and they were these pot holders that you made, like, an extra layer on top of so you wouldn't burn your hand. Um, and I made, I think I probably made 50 of those things. I just, like, would whip those out. And then I remember my mom taught me to knit after that. And, of course, the first thing I want to do, I'm like, I want to make a sweater. Mm-hmm. And I just remember it being, you know, it was, like, prime 80s. So I just, there was this sweater with... um where the sleeves were um, to square like a jagged zigzag square going down into the body of the sweater and that's what I wanted to do and I made this god-awful bright blue sweater but you know I just there's something about making things that I really love and it as it turns out I have since found out that my grandmother um, she was a big maker, but I think she came from a whole line of um, tailors. Really, I, I did not know that. Yeah. So I've got to look more into that history. I would love to find out more about that. Um, do you sew as well? I do. I mean... I, I do and I have so I've got some some basic skills and some of my projects all involve sewing um I always like everything in this and weaving within reach I did by hand I love hand sewing mm. um and the point is just you don't need a sewing machine to do it although some of my sewing friends think think I'm nuts <laughs> um, they're like, you realize you could do that in about 30 seconds with a machine but um I, and I did actually when I was first kind of rediscovering my creative voice. I took this sewing class with this amazing tailor in uh, in Boulder, and it we I would spend, you know, months on one pair of pants. You know, it was amazing. You know, hand sewing. You know, all the little details. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was really cool. You went really old
0: school. It yeah. That, that reminds was- me, I remember when, <laughs> this is so random, I remember being a kid and watching Little House on the Prairie.
1: Yeah.
0: And that's how a lot of, that's how the girls would make, and sometimes Caroline, the mom would make their money as they would hand sew people's dresses. Yeah. And it was like, come back in three weeks and your, and your be- dress will be will be finished. And that was always just fascinating to me, like, how did they know what to do and where were, you know, because it wasn't like they were going to go buy a McCall's pattern.
1: Right, right.
0: They were, they were legit, <laughs> like, hand-making these clothes, and there was so much fabric involved. Yeah. And, you know, it would be so fussy and none of the extra like fancy tools we have. And I just, I was just fascinated by that.
1: The whole idea of that. But again, that goes back to this thing, like all you need is needle and thread and fabric. I mean, that to me is so basic and lovely.
0: I'm staring at your book right now and I'm Obsessed with the bangles that you did. First of all, you found hexagon bangles, which I love. Yeah, um, and I love their um, that you've. Wo- it's brilliant that you've woven. So there's five bangles, and you've held them together and used them as the basis for you to weave under and over, and they're just they're cool. They're- Thank
1: you. I know I love that. That project is was one of the first projects I did for this book, um, and I love this idea. Again, you're using these bangles as the loom so you don't need any fancy loom all you need is some scrap yarn and a needle and these bangles which you can find everywhere um you know target or Claire's or you know amazon or wherever it is and um and you just bring that fiber over and under and you can do, you can start to add in other weaving techniques that you might have learned or, or what you could add tassels to it. Um, There's a small sumac in there, um, but you can, you can do all sorts of things with this, but it's a very simple um, way to dress up those bangles and, and bring, bring fiber into your, you know, dress, but also have it, have a structure.
0: I even like the, I really like the in progress photos too, where you can see some of the gold, some of the metal. I, I love the juxtaposition of cool metals and warm I, fiber. I, I mean, it would be lovely just to, you know, just do a small woven piece on it and let the rest of the metal show as well. There's a lot. I know like that
1: first one, um, the very first one, when I, when you're creating the space between the bangles, I wove in a thicker chunkier yarn to, to give space to the bangles and I almost stopped there I almost said I'm just going to do half of it like this I mean that would make such a like you said such a beautiful piece to have the metal in there and the weave um would be so neat.
0: And that would actually be a great you know if you were going to have a uh, making party at the house, you know maybe there wouldn't be time with wine and such to do all of the bangles and the small weave, but if you did just these little bits, it makes it really accessible, and people would walk away with something beautiful absolutely um, yeah that's really really lovely how given how you grow up and grew up and and, and were conditioned to be very focused in, in maybe a non-creative way overall, how has that affected, well, how has the pivot in your career affected how you parent your own kids when it comes to creativity?
1: Oh, this is a little bit of a sore spot. I, it, so with the blog, my kids were very young when I started it, and I, I did do things. I did try and incorporate them into the blog. So many of the projects I did were to entertain them or to have uh, something fun to do with them. So early on, it was more of a kid, uh, you know, a kids crafts sort of thing that we were doing. And then I, I moved into more of my own thing because I realized for me that. A lot of the creativity is kind of about expressing that piece that's inside me. So then I tried to foster that creativity with my kids on like separate from the blog. It also was a lot to be like, I'm going to photograph this and I'm going to do that, you know, I'm going to put this on the blog. So I just wanted to kind of support them in what they wanted to do. My son went through a huge finger knitting phase, um, and that spawned a lot of the finger knitting ideas. Um, He just would finger knit, like, miles of cord. And then uh, my, my daughter is super creative, but it's funny. She really has an independent streak and wants to keep it separate from me which is exactly why when i was nine i told my mom i was never gonna knit again and that i was only going to cross stitch because it was different was that your rebellion that was my rebellion throwing down
0: my needles i'm picking up this very delicate cross stitch
1: yes i'm like that's the most rebellious i got i think but uh you know i was like i'm never knitting again that's what you do (laughs) <laughs> she she and I laugh about that a oh, lot. Oh, yeah. that is hilarious. But, and then uh, she
0: but and then she picks up your book and just flips at it and just gives you a side eye. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and she looks at me and laughs all the time, but my you know, my daughter, she'll she'll all catch her downstairs like cutting fabric and making this gorgeous collage of fabric like she's glue gunning it all on there you know and I'm like do you you want me to help you so get away from me you know how old is she she is 13 and she you know so like this is just like changed over time I just started to see it. she's anyway so I really have tried and become hands off. She also loves to, she's a very, uh, wet, messy crafter. So she loves paint. She loves dye. She loves, um, anything where she's like mixing things. And so she's not as fastidious as I am. Like I'm very, you know, I think dialed in. She's just much more loosey goosey. Like, um, and I, I wish I had more of that. How do you, how do you controlled
0: deal with that lack of control and that lack of clean and simple in your, you know, beautiful, clean space. It's so hard for me.
1: (laughs) It's so hard for me. And it's terrible. I'm just like, oh my gosh, you need to clean this up! You know, I can't. It's terrible. Sometimes I'm like, I'm the worst mom in the whole world. I should be like the most creative, like, uh, i don't know just like let's make a mess but it's uh it's it's not one of my strengths i will say i am right but, there with you sister <laughs> but i do try i'll yell first and then be like but what you did was super creative <laughs> <laughs> i really see you expressing your creative ideas through this mess So <laughs> brilliant and, Hopefully I've, I've left enough of a window open and she sees me making things. And it was funny. She she had a friend over the other day and she and her friend went down and disappeared in the basement. And they came up with these embroidery hoops uh, covered with ribbon and jewels and like they had made all these things. And one was kind of complex and colorful and had a bunch of stuff on it. And then one was really simple, just the wood, and there were these white ribbons coming off of it and some some other things up top, like some bells at the top. And they asked us to vote for the best one. You know, we refused to vote for the best one, but they were like, well, at least guess whose is whose. And I'm like, I'm not going to guess. And my husband said, I guess that and he picked the white simple one was my daughter's. And uh, and after she left, and he was right, after she left, I'm like, what would make you think that was hers? And he's like, well, because it's so flax and twine. <laughs> so she's come back. Yeah. You so got her back. That was my first inkling that I'm like, oh, maybe there's a little, you know, maybe she's picked up a little of my aesthetic in there and... Uh, and who knows? I mean, she definitely has her own mind. That, that was is a win personally. right
0: there. That was a mama win. I know. I was
1: kind of like <laughs> it was really pretty, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, what, uh, we'll what, see. what? I'm trying to keep hands off. I've, if anything, I've learned to not make a big deal of my kids. Just kind of be like, "That's interesting." Okay, you know. Are your boys creative as well?
0: Um, they are. They. Um, so you also have two boys and a girl. I
1: have two boys. So yes, do I. Yes. Um. Well, my, it's funny. My middle one was a huge knitter when he was young. I wouldn't be surprised if someday he came back to it. He's a mathematician, and a lot of his creativity comes in solving problems and um, kind of creativity intellectually. And then my oldest, he's a builder and he loves to make things. And recently, he's been telling me how into illustrator and graphic design he, he is. So, like, it's you see these little inklings, and, and I've just tried to encourage that. But we'll see. We'll see. I don't, I, you know, we'll see how they develop. I just, what I learned from my own childhood is to not... To try to not put like I expect you to do this or I expect you to do that, but just to encourage these things that you see. Because I think if somebody, you know, when I was little, if someone had said, "Boy, every, every bit of free time she has, she's making stuff, <laughs> she's expressing ideas through art or or um, you know other creations," then what what would that have led to from early on? You know, I don't I don't know but I try and do that for my kids when I see them expressing themselves or spending their time a certain way, I just encourage them. Like, it just seems like you really enjoy that. And, you know, if there's anything I can do to support you, you know, whether it be if they want to take lessons or they want to get something from the craft store or, you know, but it's not just creative. I mean, they might be spending more time doing other things as well that I try and encourage and, um, Try, just try and make the world open for them in terms of their path um yeah so
0: what do you hope that people who spend time with your book weaving with within reach and your blog Flox and twine that they walk away from with
1: i i think that you really hit on something when when you talked about the whole idea of seeing craft in a, in a new way, like the kind of the beauty of it and the simplicity of it and kind of taking it to another level. So like this idea that, um, first of all, that they can have that and have that go hand in hand with this joy of making and like needing to make something every day. I'm wanting to make something every day. Um, So they can, what I want is them to find so many opportunities of of things they can make, but in this beautiful way so that they can bring that kind of beauty into their lives and along with the joy of making.
0: Well, Anne Weil, it has been so lovely. Thank you for being here.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, Vicki. It's been so much fun
0: for more information on Anne Wheel and her book Weaving Within Reach, go to her show notes page at vickihowellcom slash craftish. All right, let's talk about what I'm crafting-ish to this week, meaning what I'm making to, what I'm driving to, what I'm working to, what I'm living to, and um, this is a segment that has been a fun collaboration with uh, Penguin Random House Audio. So I did not watch a ton of TV-related stuff this week, um, mostly because I've been super in the holiday music mode and audiobook mode, and I'll tell you about that in a second. The one thing that I did watch is the new stand-up comedy special um, from Ellen DeGeneres on Netflix. It's called Relatable. You know, it's got exactly the kind of comedy that you'd think, except for she goes a little bit edgier I think as in rebellion to, you know, her everyday niceness. I mean she was still always kind, but um it's a little edgier than than her show. Um it was a great background uh entertainment while I was sewing a top for a video that I needed to do and um, you know if you like her at all I think you'll really dig this special and that's on Netflix. The Music Man I have found my jam this week so JD McPherson um, is this I don't know I guess kind of Americana rockabilly-esque singer. He's got a you know a a big big big-ish band and I first heard him when he was opening up for Nikki Lane um, another Americana singer that I like uh, not too long ago. He has a christmas album out of all original songs called socks and it is fantastic i've probably listened to it 25 times um if you like to tap your feet if you like if you like you know If you need a little break from traditional holiday music, it's really fun, Um, and that's called Socks, and you can find it wherever you find your music. All right, audiobook town. So I am um, still listening to what I had just downloaded last week, um, and that is If You Ask Me, and of course you won't, by Miss Betty White. I mean, how can you not like having Betty White whispering in your ear? She's a delight. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just now kind of a couple chapters in, but it's really, it's really nice to hear. She starts, instead of starting at the beginning, she sort of starts at the present and talks about, you know, taking roles you know in her sitcom with valley Bertinelli, and then she'll every once in a while she'll slip in like an old school reference like george burns and she just kind of weaves it all in um as if you were just hanging out and sitting and and listening to her talk at a table and um i loved hearing that she loves to write that it's one of her favorite ways to express herself creatively um as you know if you listen to the show i fully believe if you're creative in one way that you are open and interested in different creative realms so um um, knowing that in addition to being an actor, she also love, love, loves writing was, is really fun. So I am, um, I'm enjoying that. And you can find uh, Betty White's book as well as pretty much, I mean, honestly, I feel like Penguin Random House Audio produces and publishes all of, all of the great audio books. Um, so probably all of the books, you can find them wherever you get your audio books, or you can go to tryaudiobooks.com. Alrighty. Um, if you like this episode, please, please, please share it. Sharing is caring and it really helps in, in podcast or world, uh, for people to get their ears on it. If they hear it from you first, if you have a moment to rate and review it on Apple podcasts, that would also be fantastic. And I'd really, really appreciate it. Craftish is a Campbell production. It's produced in Austin, Texas by me and mixed and edited by Dave Campbell music is provided by explosions in the sky and if you are hanging out over the holidays and doing a little crafting and making this stuff i would love to see what it is that you are are doing so please follow me on instagram and facebook it's just at vicki howell post pictures um i am as inspired by you as i hope that occasionally i inspire you so Um, please go ahead and follow and tag at Vickia Howell. You can also see me. I'm off on the 24th, but on the 31st, I'll be back on Facebook Live with Ask Me Monday at noon Central Time with another crafty tutorial. All right, we are off, um, like I said, next week for the holidays, but we will be back in your feed the following Thursday with a new episode of the Craftish Podcast. And during that one, we will have a guest, of course, and it will be Katrina Rodabaugh. She is the author of Mending Matters, a really smart environmental crafter. It was a great conversation, so I'm looking forward to you hearing that. So please take some time during these busy holiday, uh, during this busy holiday season to take a moment for yourself to be creative, fill that creative well, it's really important. Um, Happy holidays from my house to yours, breathe in, craft out.